Welcome to the Cross Loganville's podcast channel. Thanks for joining us as we continue our series on Wisdom, a study through Proverbs. I'm Tim Cash. This is my son, Benji, and uh, I invited him to share this Sunday with me. And uh, he and I are going to get into some conversation here in a bit. We've been going through the book of Proverbs, and we're going to continue that conversation uh, today. But Benji, Welcome back to the Cross Loganville, my brother and my son. What's been happening in your life? Well, good morning. Uh, so glad to be back with a lot of you guys. Uh, last couple weeks and months have brought forth a lot of change for us. Um, uh, we've got some pictures that should pop up here soon. Uh, Grace and I have recently, we've moved out to the Monroe area, but within the last 12 days or so, we did have our first little boy. Uh, there he is. Uh, so very exciting, uh, definitely a big life change, uh, something to where, you know, people tell you you're not really ready, and we think that we were a little bit ready in terms that we were way far off. We were not even close to being really ready. So it's definitely a shock. Uh, it was an overwhelming sense of love, sense of, um, you know, just a brand new beginning of having to learn and stuff. So it's such a little blessing. Um, yeah, so that's, that's the most recent. So... Uh Cedar weighed nine pounds and six ounces. And so if you know anything about the Cash family, for Barb and I, we had five kids. And our girls weighed nine and a half each. You weighed 10. Jesse weighed 10, 14. And Caleb weighed 11 and a half. So we knew Cedar was going to come into this world probably a big boy based on our, our size. So, so talk a little bit about uh, what's been happening. You and Grace uh, moved out and... Uh, have really located there in downtown Monroe, and what was happening with you there? Yeah, long, long story short, kind of backtracking a little bit, um, was was working a job and stuff, and, and through a process of a lot of things, just really my heart began to stir of, of, of feeling this just churning in my soul of there's more purpose and desiring to do something uh, that had some lasting influence and purpose, and through some really just God-ordained events. Uh, we ended up moving out to downtown Monroe, got a job coaching at the CrossFit gym out there. That uh, led us to a Lord wildly uh, just opening up a house right in downtown, a mile from uh, where we were, right in the heart of the city. Uh, and so our heart in moving out there um, was that if we're going to move to Monroe, if we're going to work in Monroe, we want to live there. Uh, if we're going to live there and work there, we want to commune there uh, with the church. Um, we want to be fully invested within the lives of the people that we were around day to day. Um, and so our heart and even, you know, moving churches was uh, nothing personal, obviously, and it wasn't anything, you know, against uh, what was going on here, but it was our heart and that we want to be fully invested in the community in which uh, we're living and we're working and the people that we're around daily. Um, those of y'all that live in Monroe, you know it's a very, very well-knit and close community, um, and we wanted to be fully invested in that to have as great of an impact as we could uh, moving forward. So Benji and I will interact uh, with you this morning. Here's where I want to go with it. And uh, we talk about the importance of community often here, the importance of getting involved in uh, fellowship, the Greek word there is the word koinonia. And so when you think about Christ-centered fellowship and community, what we're talking about is a group of people that do life together consistently with a God-strategic vision and mission that meet consistently to worship and to serve. I mean, that's what we're talking about. Hey, we want to be a part of community. 
the word community comes from common unity. So you want to find those common grounds. I mean, that's what, when you start to break down the word fellowship, it's all about uh, those things that we shared together before Christ. It's essential in our journey. We're going through Proverbs. Chapters 27 and 28 is where we find ourselves this week. I want to read just a couple of verses, again, that kind of tie in the importance of community. Proverbs 27, 9 says, The heartfelt counsel of a friend is the sweetest perfume. As iron sharpens iron, so one brother sharpens another. People appreciate honest criticism far more than they do flattery. You start to read that, and it's like heartfelt counsel, sharpening one another, growing together, uh, honest criticism, not to criticize, but to come alongside and help construct to build up. I, I want you to think about this. When it comes to the cross of Jesus Christ, when it comes to authentically experiencing Christ in a personal, personal way, where you repent of your sin and you're really placing your faith and allegiance in Christ. The cross of Christ is not the end of the search. It's the beginning of the adventure. And a lot of times people think that once they get saved, that's kind of it. It's just where it's starting. And the adventure for us is to be conformed daily into the likeness of Christ. Romans 8, 29, 2 Corinthians 3, 18 talks about being conformed, meaning kind with Form meaning shape, we take on the shape and form and likeness of Christ. And as a result of doing so, as a result of doing so, God calls us to be his disciples, which means we're to walk in the dust of Rabbi Jesus, we're, meaning in that day, the disciples would be close, uh, so close to the rabbi they were following that the dust when he walks would, would, would just uh, spray them, if you will. They were so close to walking with their rabbi and teacher. That is the relationship that God has called us to. I want you to walk with me. I want you to know me. And so when we talk about uh, discipleship, we're really talking about brothers and sisters doing life together where we can grow together, where we sharpen and shape each other. As iron sharpens iron, so one brother sharpens another. One sister sharpens another. We do life uh, together. Now, I was thinking about this, talking about community and talking about the importance of fellowship and talking about the, the importance of doing life together. It creates a space for a lot of healthy things to happen uh, in our journey. And some things I wrote down, I want you to think about this. When you're truly doing life, uh, it creates a space for honesty. When we start to do life, Spencer, but when we start to do life in such a way, all cards are on the table, the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever is going on in our journey, it's like, man, I got I to lay the cards on the table. I've, I've got to be honest about where I'm at, where I've been, and where I desire to go. And it is so important because so many people avoid doing life in a community because of the conflict that it can potentially bring in our soul. And it is, it's disruptive. But if we're ever going to grow and move, Liz, to become the people of God, we've got to be willing to, to risk it and to say, hey, man, i, I got to get honest. Another thing, it provokes humility. Because as soon as I start to share my life, I, I've got to swallow pride going, you know what? I do want to be known. I do want to do life with other people. God is opposed to the proud. He gives grace to the humble. And so this whole thing of walking in humility is so important because in order to be fully alive, uh, fully alive, you've got to be fully known. And you, the only way you can be fully known is saying, hey, man, here's where I'm at. Here, here's my battles. Here, here's the traps. Uh, here, here's where I'm coming out of. 
And I invite you uh, to, to, to really move to that place in your journey. Galatians chapter 5 verse 6 says, In Christ the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love toward one another. Galatians 6 2 says, Help carry each other's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. So when we talk about uh, community and, and, and living with accountability, this is huge right here. I mean, it would be great to write it down. The word accountability means I am inviting you to help count the abilities that God's given me so that I can grow to be the best that I can be. Does that make sense? And so when you start to think about accountability, you're inviting somebody else to count the abilities that God's given you. Uh, another thing I wrote is, is Christ-centered accountability and Christ-centered community, it helps me confront the problems I face. I mean, we walk with people all the time, and one of the things that we're, we're always doing is a lot of times when people have chaos going on in their life, they want to hold up a window and look out and talk about how everybody else is jacked up or everybody else has messed them up. We hold a mirror up. You're going to look in the mirror. And so when you do that, it's like having another brother say, hold on, let's work on you. Let's work on your walk. Let's work on you growing to become the person that you can be. It's absolutely crucial. Another thing, Ben, is uh, it encourages us to be totally transparent. Play on that one for me. Yeah, I think uh, this one resonated with me the most because I think if we really want uh, to see the growth and if we're re really desiring to grow in ourselves, we have to be able to reveal the real us. Uh, being fake doesn't accomplish anything. If I'm putting on a facade for you uh, and you're doing the same to me, then there's no, there's no possible way for real growth to happen. So being able to open up your heart and your life and be uh, vulnerable enough to, to ask the hard questions or to reveal yourself as, uh, as good, bad, or ugly as it might be, being completely transparent, I think, is one of the most vital things that we can do. Um, even when it comes to leading groups um, and discipleship groups and stuff, and I'll get into a little bit that, uh, a little bit more of that here in a little bit. But even this past week, we uh, during our discipleship group that we met, uh, we're kind of going through a pretty tough topic, and we got to the end for discussion, and then none of the guys wanted to speak on it until one guy took the chance of um, opening up, even starting with, you know, I know this might. Um, bring some laughs, this might bring some condemnation, this might do whatever, uh, I'll go ahead and ask the hard question. As soon as he was willing to be open and transparent, hands started flying up with other comments and things that they wanted to add or to ask or, to, or, or just to, to pursue a little bit deeper. So it took the one guy of being able to be transparent and say, I'll, I'll open up. And so I think for true growth, especially in the discipleship side to happen, there has to be complete transparency. Um, there's a lot of crap that's in your own heart, and there's a lot of stuff in your life probably that you're not proud of, and odds are, as soon as we open up and we're transparent about that, you're going to find a handful and a group of others that are going to surround you mm -hmm. uh, that understand and have been there or have walked through that and can help counsel and bring you through that as well. That's exactly right, and I think we try to encourage people to get in small groups, to get in uh, a, a circle of people where you can do life. Here's the fear. I, I promise you, here, here's the greatest fear. If they know me, Will they truly love me? If they know me, are they going to write me off? If, if I really share where, where I've been and just what I'm, I'm really struggling through that, that, that has just kept, kept me in bondage, it's been such a stronghold, well, what are they going to do? They're going to write me off? I'll touch uh, one more thing is I think also um, the people sometimes I think we can have the most issue with are the ones you can look at and tell that they're hiding and that they're mm. concealing things, the fake people. Um, 
typically we're going to be a lot more open and trusting and understanding of the people that are real. Whether you like it or not, you can at least respect the fact that they are open about who they are, that they are authentic in their life and in their uh, walk with the Lord, or if they're not walking with the Lord, the fact that they're still transparent is a lot more respectable. So I think even being able to notice for yourself that you're more likely to even trust that person who's open, and that giving you that prompting and that, that courage to, to, to really to live out who you truly are and not hide and fake who you are. Because what, what ends up happening in those relationships is, listen to me, it allows us to experience healing with one another. Because every person, if you're an adult and you've been on this planet for a, a period of time, here's what I know about you. You've been hurt. You've been betrayed. You've been rejected. Somebody has condemned you, cursed you, put you down. It's like, that's all of us. And as a result of that, many of us walk in here week after week with broken hearts and broken narratives, broken stories. Don't miss it. When that happens in our journey, we, we basically have one of two choices. What am I going to do with the pain and the shame and the guilt and the violations of whatever's going on? You're going to do one of two things. You're either going to suppress it or you're going to confess it. When you suppress it and bury it, it starts to rot your soul away. It will absolutely annihilate you. When you're able to confess it with a person that loves you, genuinely loves God and loves you, and go, all right, we're going to walk through this together. We've heard messy stories and, and messy narratives from the time that, that I came to faith in Christ. When I hang out with people, I'm like, man, the universal language is suffering. We've all been beat up. We've all been hurt so bad. And, and I'm just telling you right now, when you're able to hang with other people, it promotes healing, but it also promotes the possibility of getting godly counsel. And a lot of us got ungodly counsel for years based on the playgrounds and playmates that we were hanging out with out there in the world. And all of a sudden, we come and go, there's some godly people that want to point me toward God logic that can help me is iron sharpens iron so one brother sharpens another the heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume so let's transition in this for a second now i played that video for a reason to start this thing off but i i, I want to talk about the importance of who's influenced you who's been kind of the paul the mentors the life coaches in your life and who are you influencing is iron sharpens iron who has poured into you? When I first got saved, there was a guy named Walter Smith down in Noonan. I came to faith in October of 85. Walter put his arm around me, and Walter said, Brother, you're going to have to get into the Word. I had a King James Version, an NIV, and a Strong's Concordance. That's what I had when I first came to faith in Christ. And Walt says, We're going to read, we're going to research, and we're going to remember. Walter got me memorizing Scripture right when I got saved. I'll never, never, never be able to thank him enough for the influence that God allowed him to have in my life. I had been walking with Walter for about two years. He looked at me one day right before I was going back to play ball in spring training. And he said, brother, I, I, I got to tell you something. He goes, I feel like a tugboat. And Walter had done a lot of drugs in his BC days. And I'm like, a tugboat? What are you talking about? He goes, no, I feel like a tugboat. And I said, How? He said, I feel like God is using me to pull an ocean liner out into the waters that is going to sell the worlds and share the gospel. He said, I'm not going to be able to do that. 
I'm not going, but I feel like God has brought me alongside of you to pull you out into the waters. And that was a prophetic word for me because we've been able to take the gospel throughout the U.S., Canada, Korea, Thailand, Venezuela, the Dominica, all over. And when Walter said that, I thought, that, that, that's crazy. Another guy that God used in my life was Jimmy Griggs in 1986. I was in double A playing with the Astros and Jimmy. I, I met him. He was our team chaplain. And he was a Pentecostal Assembly of God brother. And Jimmy would, hey, we've got this prayer breakfast going on at 630. Uh, go with me. I'm like, Jimmy, man, we had a game last night. I'm going to get back. I don't care. You got to go to this prayer breakfast with me. And I went with Jimmy. And Jimmy modeled praying without ceasing, pressing into God, believing the impossible. And Jimmy died a few years ago. But I, I look back and I'm like, man, God used that dude to really encourage me in prayer. A guy named Tom Roy, I met him, ended up working with Tom for 20 years, the founder of a ministry called Unlimited Potential. And Tom taught me how to share my faith. We traveled throughout the world sharing our, our, our testimony and sharing the gospel. Tom was the one that mentored me. Hey, work on this. It, it didn't matter if it was in Vancouver or Seoul, Korea, or where it was. He taught me how to share uh, my faith. Crawford Loritz, he's pastoring in North Atlanta. Crawford taught me how to do inductive study into the Word of God to handle the Word accurately, and Crawford became such a great mentor in me, uh, in my journey, for the proclamation of truth. A, a guy by the name of Walt Wiley was working with, uh, walked through the Bible ministry with Wilkerson and those guys, and Walt, when I first got into ministry, he looked at me and he said, feed those who are hungry, love those who aren't. And Walt spent a lot of time with me, coaching me. I look back in my journey, and all of these guys were iron sharpening iron. It was the counsel of, of godly people that was pouring into my journey. Now, talk about, uh, Benji, if you will, a little bit of your personal journey. When you really reached that point of surrender, and, and the spiritual formation and growth that's happened in your life over the last four or five years, as well as maybe some of those guys that have poured into you, bud. Yeah, even talking about the relationship side, I've heard it said that if you were asked to even recall uh, the three to five greatest sermons you ever heard in your life, there's a chance you might be able to think of one. But if we were to ask you, name the top ten people that have influenced you in your life, I bet you could name ten, and I bet you could name uh, even more than that. And I think it's important to realize why. It's because of relationships uh, they matter. They matter more than words or that a sermon that he or anybody else will ever share. It's the relationships in our lives that invest and pour into us. Um, so going even into my own relationships, early on, obviously, you and mom set that foundation uh, for me. Uh, growing up, knowing truth, knowing right from wrong, though I didn't always follow that, and though I, I took um, a detour um, as I got a little bit older, but you guys laid that foundation Throughout um, some, some struggles and really re-surrendering my heart to the Lord, a guy named Brian Harrell up at Middle Tennessee, he was the FCA director up there, uh, and never leading a small group, never uh, taking a step into any kind of leadership, uh, he believed in me my sophomore year and said, I want you to lead our huddle groups up here. I want you uh, to take over a, a buddy of mine named Trent, who'd been there for a handful of years, and Trent graduated, he said, I want you to lead. I didn't know what in the world I was doing, but as I began to start trying to follow the Lord, it forced me, even in my, my own personal time, to prepare, to 
try to figure out what it meant to even study or prepare some kind of message to teach kids uh, or to teach other people that um, I went from partying with on Friday and Saturday nights to then being in Bible study with a Monday, and, and now is I've got to, to make a life change, and, and I had to begin to study, and I had to begin to pour in time to where I could lead those that once I'd been walking beside and, and, and now trying to learn what it was like to lead them spiritually. Um, Neil Rampersad, um, the guy in the church here that a lot of y'all know, as far as life advice and as far as growing as a man and even his family and having kids and stuff, Neil's somebody that's walked beside me as strong as anyone, someone that I know I can run to for counsel, that I know genuinely loves me and Grace and, and our family. Uh, a guy named Christian Clay. Uh, Christian and I's relationship started by getting tattooed. Um, he's become my, one of my tattoo artists now. We did my whole leg together. And some of the most influential, influential hours I've had, especially in the last year or so, came from me laying on a table and him doing work on me and being able uh, for him as one of the strongest um, most connected with the spirit men that I've ever been around in my entire life. And being able to hear just his prophetic words and his, uh, the way that he's in tune with the Holy Spirit and being able to breathe so much life over Grace and I. And, and him and his wife and kids uh, were kind of going through and walking through a period of life as we were getting a lot of work done. And the truth that he spoke into me led into a period of Grace and I going through very similar situations and being able to grab hold to a lot of the truths and a lot of... Um, the prophetic words that he would speak over us at times and being able to really cling to those. Christian is somebody that uh, I'll forever be thankful for and that we still have an incredible bond. Michael Esposito, um, somebody else here in the church, he's uh, very uh, radical, um, open, very upfront, but he loves people. And once we begin to take this step into full-time ministry, uh, he's been the one that I've been able to go to the most um, as far as even what it looks like raising support, what it looks like building those relationships with the people you're ministering to and the mm -hmm. people that are, are pouring into us to be able to minister to. And so time spent with Esposito are, are ones that I'll sacrifice a lot of things in my day to be able to appoint an hour uh, of just being able to listen and grow under his counsel. Uh, one of the last ones would be Matt Williams. Um, he is now the guy that I work for. He is the, the head of NG3, and we'll, we'll break that down here in a little bit. But uh, as Matt and I met months and months and months ago, and he began to, uh, to see something in me that I didn't even see in myself, quite frankly. didn't even know that ministry was an avenue that um, the Lord was beginning to open up and point us towards, but he saw something in me, and he began um, to, to put that seed and prompting in my heart to just pray what it would look like to, to go into full-time ministry. And once Grace and I really felt that calling from the Lord, he has been... Um, one of the most empowering men in my life as far as being able to, to affirm and speak truth and empower us to go forth um, to reach and to pour everything we have into people. Um, so Matt Forever will be someone who gave me that first real big opportunity to pursue a life in ministry. Um, and so, so those are definitely a handful of guys that have had a massive lasting impact on me. So you're 24 years old and you're married, you got your first little dude now, and, uh, but you talked about NG3, and you're involved full-time now. I mean, sharing Christ, making disciples. Tell us about what you're doing, NG3. What's it about? What's the mission vision? I know we've got a slide to just kind of, uh, uh, you know, 
that kind of captures NG3 a little bit. Yeah, so I want to go back and just touch on kind of our reasoning for moving out to Monroe again. Once we moved out there, Grace and I, we, we sat around, we just knew, and it was something where people would ask us why we left the church or why we were moving out there or whatever our why was, uh, even our why and having to leave certain jobs. And I couldn't really explain it to people other than, like, I just know in my soul that this is what we're supposed to be doing. I know we're called out to this city for some reason. I can't tell you why. And, and I'm not going to try to, but I just know in my soul that that's what we have to be. And in some people we had to talk, and it's like, I hope you can understand that. If not, well, you're not moving with us. So, you know, we just really believe that that's what we were supposed to be. About three months prior to even pursuing um, now being a full-time ministry, I met this guy at the gym that I was working. Total happenstance, walked into my office, had something he needed to change with his account. We ended up spending an hour together just sharing. I was sharing my heart, my passions and desires. He was sharing who he was. He mentioned that he had met dad before. Never thought anything else of it. Two and a half, three months later, we move out to Monroe. We start going to the church. Uh, the pastor and I sat down. Uh, just were talking one morning. And before we left, he said, have you ever, uh, I, I was just kind of telling him my heart and desire to, to be out there in the city. And he said, have you ever, you know, considered doing any kind of high school chapel? And complete transparency, I thought, absolutely not. I just, I, I, didn't, I didn't really care for it. My heart, my passion at the time was training and was coaching, and that's kind of what I had my mind on, and I really, I hadn't thought about it. But kind of as a courtesy Christian thing that we do, I told him, you know, I'll think about it. You know, I'll give it some consideration and see what happens. And uh, he said, well, you know, we have a guy on staff. He works for this organization called NG3, kind of went into it. And, and I began to think, I said, you know, I think I met a guy months ago who worked for him, but I said, I can't remember his name. And anyways, went on, went to the office that day, Googled NG3, pulled up their staff list, and I thought, hmm, the guy I met with is their president, the guy who founded the organization. Hadn't seen him in months. Um, as I was leaving the office that day, I'm pulling through the parking lot. He comes walking right in front of my Jeep. And I rolled the window down, and I was like, wild that I'd see you today. I said, this is the third time in the day that you have either come up, that you've been up in thoughts and conversation, and now that I'm seeing you. Uh, and I got home and I told Grace, I said, I don't think it's, it's mm -hmm. coincidence that, you know, our heart and prayer since we've been out here is really praying for some kind of purpose and real um, stepping into a lasting, purposeful, you know, career or, or path for us. I don't really think it's coincidence that I've three different times today this guy's been brought up. So long story short, we ended up just meeting, um, not really having any agenda for the meeting, but sat down. He just shared more about what they did, and I kind of shared what we were doing. And, but the conversation began to be prompted then of, you know, I th basically Matt speaking over me. He's like, you know, I think this is something you, you do well in. He's like, now you've got to really want it. High school ministry is not something that you can kind of stick one foot in and one foot out. It's like, it's, it's an investment. Like, you've really got to want to do it. If you don't want to do it, if it's not your full investment, if you're just doing it to collect a paycheck, then quite frankly, we don't want you. And so he's like, take some time, pray through it. And so Grace and I spent weeks and weeks contemplating and praying through it. And through the, uh, not some of, but hands down, the most vivid and verbal confirmations of prayer I have ever had in my life. Mm. Guys, verbal confirmations from God that I, I've Unless you've experienced it, there's no way I could, I could possibly express this to you. But vividly verbal confirmations from the Lord saying, this is what I want you to do. And so immediately, Grace and I were like, fine, we quit our job. We are 
We are local missionaries. We are 100% support-based. And there's so many of you guys here, even in the room right now, who help support us. And y'all will never know what that means because without you guys, we can't do this. And so we said, if this is what you're leading us to do, you've heard Dad say before, if, if God calls us, he'll cover us. And so we just, we quit. We quit our job and said, all right, if this is what you want us to do, and I know in my soul I will, there's nothing that I've been more, I'm more confident about this is what we're supposed to do than I was when I got married or if we were going to have a kid. Like, just the verbal confirmation. So took that step away and said, all right, this is what we're going to do. Um, yeah. You stepped out in faith. Without faith, you can't please God, right? Mm -hmm. and, and the Lord started putting on your heart. He'd already had really a call on your life to minister and influence lives. So what are you doing with NG3? Where are you doing it at? Who are you working with? What's happening? So NG3's real heartbeat um, at a base level is character development and small group faith-based discipleship for, for primarily high school athletes. Um, so what that looks like day-to-day -day is going into schools, um, infiltrating them, being able to build rapport with administration and coaching staffs, um, to give us an opportunity to get in with sports teams. Once we're in with sports teams, um, a lot of teams, and, and we'll start with kind of some character coaching, um, you know, depending on the needs, we'll do character talks and, and different things with the team as a whole. Um, really just an avenue to, to have favor and a good name and rapport with coaching staff um, and with these kids to allow us to, to be a part of that team. I have been more blessed and had more favor than I deserve. Um, mm -hmm. Coach Reach, by the, praise God, he's the, the man that I get to be a part of and his team every single day, and he's welcomed us and our organization in. Um, and it's really just given us the opportunity to build relationships with kids. Once we have these relationships with the kids of just showing up consistently, uh, being a part of their sports teams, our heart is biblical discipleship at the baseline. Just the same as Jesus walked into the lives of his disciples, as he invited the disciples into his life, that is exactly what we want to do with these students. Uh, and so daily, um, being at, or, uh, on campus, at practice with these kids, mm -hmm. investing and showing that we care about them and their interests and what they're doing, uh, and in return, building those relationships to where they're becoming interested in who we are and what we're doing. Once those relationships have been built, uh, we run... Uh, NG3 groups uh, every single week. Um, so it's discipleship, small groups, much like some of you guys are involved in here to where we have them in our homes. We help feed them. We are uh, breaking down scripture and we are helping develop them um, and trying to grow a faith within them. Some of the kids that show up have a walk with the Lord. Some of them have zero whatsoever, but they're, they're willing to come and to be a part of what we're doing. And we've had, there's been so many kids, um, some of which have, I've said even after group, they're like, this is all I've got. Like, I work on Sundays. We don't go to church. Our family's not a part of a church. Like, this is the only thing that I have to where I can come and ask questions and I can grow and I can hear the word. And so the Lord is giving us this platform of being church for some kids, um, being able to help disciple them and to, to, to pour into them and breathe life into them. In Monroe, where we are, there's um, a pretty high poverty level. Um, there's a lot of kids that really don't have much, and so we've even been able to partner uh, with another organization that provides meals for us every week to where we've been able to not only reach the kids, but feed moms and families and being able to do things to help reach the family as a whole. Um, and so it really is, our heart is to disciple young people. 
uh, really raise the next generation. NG stands for next generation. The three is we want to develop the character. Uh, we want to invest them in their community. And we want to bring change in their lives. And so it is at an essence simply biblical discipleship that we're doing with, uh, with high school athletes. Dan, I know we've got some photos, but just some of the small groups being able to bring kids into your home. Hey, this is what we've done for years. Okay, you, you guys understand this? This was the grassroots stuff that Barb and I, when we first came to Atlanta, was working with UPI. We happened to be working with the professional athletic community, but we would do Bible studies with people. And I didn't know what God was going to do with Benji, but to see him opening up his home, these kids, a lot of them are fatherless. Tell the story about the one kid uh, that had never, like he said, he hadn't been to church forever, and you're connected. That, that story touched my heart when you yeah, told it. Yeah, such a cool story. I mean, just an incredible kid really approached me one day uh, asking for a ride home. As we were in the car, we just began to talk a little bit. And the next day, he came and uh, he said, you know, I, I want to go to church with you. Or somehow the conversation of church came up. He said, I want to go. I said, well, come on. I said, anytime you want to go, I mean, you're more than welcome to come with Grace and I. We'll pick you up. He goes, well, I want to go this week. I said, cool. So kid starts going to church with us. He says that he hasn't been to church since he was in third grade. Um, his mom is um, fatherless, and his mom's not involved really with the faith whatsoever, but the kid's like, I want to go. Like, I want to be a part of it. First week, we were able to get him a Bible, um, and as we left church that first Sunday, I said, hey, man, I said, if you ever want to come again, I said, you just let me know. He said, I want to come every week. I said, well, right on. I said, we'll pick you up every week, and it was like, I was so bummed today um, being here early for two services, I couldn't pick him up for church this morning. And I, it just it broke my heart that he didn't get to go. But uh, he's like, I just want to go to church. And as we began to kind of talk and we spent more time together now, he's like, I haven't been to church since I was in third grade. Um, I've never owned my own Bible. I don't know how to read it. I don't know. But he goes, I just, I just, I really, really, really want it. And he, uh, it was beautiful. One night after group, I think it was when I was, I was taking him home. And uh, he said, you know that Sunday when, um, when we got done service and the pastor told us to close our eyes and, and uh, you know, we were just standing there kind of praying. I said, yeah. He goes, well, I closed my eyes and, and he said, you know, while your eyes are closed, just begin to let Jesus in. Um, and whatever the pastor said from there on out, he goes, but I closed my eyes and I was just thinking about trying to let Jesus in. He goes, I, I, I don't know how to say it. He goes, but I saw something. And so I began to kind of prompt to, to pull out what he was trying to get at. But and in essence, he's like, I, my eyes were closed, but it was so bright where I was. And he said, like, the, the room was dark, but he said, I was seeing something so bright. And he goes, I just knew that Jesus was there with me. Mm -hmm. And all I had to do, basically, was just open up my heart and, and want him to be a part of me. And, and I just, I, he was with me. And the kid is fired up to where <laughs> Thursdays um, are their short days for practice. And we'll sit in my car and teaching him how to read the Bible. And he's underlining things, and he's asking questions, and he's, he's prompting and, and inviting other guys to come to church with us now. And he just wants it. Like, he's hungry for it. And, he, um, and we, there's multiple kids like that, though. We're getting an opportunity to, to help be church for them and then lead them into church and begin to disciple them and even teach them who Jesus is. So what are some of the needs and opportunities and things going on just in your six months of doing this so far? Mm -hmm. First thing, absolutely, is prayer. Um, I want to read you Colossians 4, verse 2. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a verse that I've hung to very, very closely over the last couple months, but it says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message mm -hmm. so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, 
and pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Mm. So the first thing would be please pray that we'll continue to have open doors um, in schools, with other sports teams, with coaches, and with players. Allow a door to be open so that we can proclaim the mystery of Christ. And it's very much a mystery to a lot of these guys. Mm. Um, so pray that we have a door and pray that myself uh, and the other volunteers and leaders that we have will be able to proclaim it as we should. Um, proclaim it as truth, proclaim it as the word and in life and being able to really pour into these guys. So that is absolutely a need that we have. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we are 100% um, support based. We are local missionaries. And so, like I said, so many of you guys here have begun to pour into that. Um, and as I can publicly say as much as I can, thank you to each of y'all. Um, you know who you are, and we just genuinely appreciate that. We cannot do this without y'all's support. Um, so I would even ask, you know, if, if while you're listening, if this is something that the Lord's stirring in your heart, then I would pray that you would ask the Lord if this is something that you guys would be willing to give uh, or support or financially invest into, because we cannot do this without y'all. We can't pay our bills and allow the lights to stay on for us to be invested and in, in, infiltrate these schools without you guys. And so that was something that first off was very hard for me. Um, I'm very much someone who wants to go out and just work for it and earn it myself. Um, but having to humbly accept gifts from you guys has been uh, something that the Lord is showing me is just a beautiful place to be. And so we're thankful for that. Um, uh, another big one is volunteers. So the more volunteers we have, the more opportunity we have to reach more and more people. We, we want to try to multiply ourselves in everything that we do. Uh, there are other teams and schools that are really desiring our presence there, and we can't do that without people saying, hey, I'm, I'm willing to take a stand. Uh, there, scripture says that the field um, mm -hmm. or the crop is full, but the harvesters and laborers are few. Mm -hmm. um, and there is a crop and a field that is flourishing and ready to be picked, um, we just need people willing to go into the field and, and to, to reap the, the harvest that is there. And so we need volunteers. We have um, Loganville. Actually, the school is, is open to us and our presence being there, um, but we need a school director there. We need somebody who's like, hey, I'm willing to go in and do uh, the legwork to, to put the platform of NG3 down and raise up volunteers. Um, we have sports teams at a lot of other Walton County schools and Gwinnett County schools as well, if that's where you live. And if you said, hey, I want to, to learn more about what it's like to invest into the lives of others, uh, we'll help you connect with the school that you're around and the school directors there. Um, uh, what's the other thing? Uh, la last thing, too, huge is food. Um, these are very hungry, growing kids. And so it takes... A lot of food to help feed them. Um, like I said, we're even able to have impact with families. Um, so we try to do what we can to help facilitate meals for some of these guys, uh, especially when we meet. Uh, we do have a budget that we have to live under um, for the area. So as much donation of meals and food and resources that we can gain from people just saying, hey, I want to serve in that area, by all means. Um, if your love language is preparing food, <laughs> uh, let's talk because we have <laughs> We have avenues for that to go to simply just bless somebody with a meal. Um, so those are kind of our major needs there as far as prayer, financial, uh, and then volunteer. I'll be back uh, in this back corner. We have some handouts and pamphlets. If you guys have questions or things, um, I'll be back there for a little while after. I would love to, to talk a little bit even deeper with that. So li listen, it thrills my heart to see my kids walking with the Lord, right? Third John 4 says, I have no greater joy than to see that my children are walking with the Lord. 
I mean, that's a, that's a huge thing. Uh, I remember when uh, the real breakthrough happened with Benji uh, right after his freshman year in college, and to see the hunger and, and thirst that he had for the Lord, I'm going all in. I, I'm, 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 I'm after it. I was like, that's so cool. And to see he and Grace step out in faith to say, all right, we're going to take this gospel. Kevin is here. Amy, I mean, Kevin, he's with you every day down there pretty much. And the wide open door of building rapport with principals, ADs, coaches, players, whatever. And I know there's a lot of students on the campus. I mean, a lot of band members and a lot of other things, you know, just regular students. But to infiltrate, to infiltrate a people group, the Sun Church, I mean, we took furniture, Chuck, you and I and Caleb, my son. There was a family that's been, uh, that they're working with, a single mom, and she didn't, have a, she didn't have anything to sit on. We took a love seat and a sofa that someone had donated. And it's like, hey, we can, we can handle that. Another dude, Danny, I think, in our church took a table and chairs down there because she didn't even have a table and chairs. So there's all these opportunities that Benji is sharing with me uh, and that you can be a part of. I mean, if you really want to serve and be a difference maker, and if you're serious about authentically walking as a disciple of Jesus Christ. There's teed up opportunities every day, but here's some specific things that we can do to be a part of what God is doing in this community. We want to reach those kids with the gospel. And so what's the best way to reach the next gen? To invest in somebody that's there, that's pouring his life into it. I mean, that's our heart, right? To reach that next generation with the gospel. And uh, that's what we're committed to. So you've got to ask a few questions, and I'm going to close it. Nick and the guys are going to come up. We'll move into a time of prayer. But you've got to ask the, the, the question, am I committed to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? Am I trying to be every day, all in, sold out, surrendered, the best I can be and all I can be for the glory of God? Second thing you've got to ask is, who am I pouring into right now? Who are the people that I'm intentionally spending time with and carving out this time to walk with? I'm telling you right now, God does not want to just give to you. He wants to give through you. So there, there's not one person in this room that should ever be a stagnant pond. We should be flowing streams. God pours into us so that he can pour through us so that we can make a difference in other people's lives. Who are you pouring into? That's the video on the front side. Some of the guys that I poured into over the years. So many people in this church. And then you've got to ask the question, who am I still allowing to pour into me? Who's still pouring into me? Who has permission to speak into my life? Who has permission to say, hey, here's a blind spot. Let's work on that one. Because there's people that Barb and I, have, we've done a ton of counseling even in this, this last week. And there's so many people that we're walking with and we want to see people fully alive in Christ. I don't want to see any person in this room just functioning in their walk with Christ. I want to see you flourishing. I don't, I don't want to see one person say, I'm, I'm okay with just functioning. It's not okay. It's not okay. We, we've got to flourish in our walk with Christ. Thank you so much for watching the message today. We hope that this message inspired you and challenged you as you watched it. I encourage you to check out our website. It's thecrossloganville.org. There's a lot of information about our church there uh, that maybe can help you answer some questions about who we are. And don't forget that on our website, we have old messages and archived series so you can spend a lot of time there learning and exploring. If you have any questions, you can contact us via the web or you could call us at the church 770-554-3322. Thanks again for watching.